Welcome to South London Hardcore. We're recording uh, in Gosh Comics, uh, obviously with adventures into comics and skinning the links, long closed down, with actually adventure to the other side of the river, to where Steve Walsh works. Hello. I'm Jack McEnroy. We're also joined by Dave Hatton. Hi. And uh, from Midnight Video, the uh, popular film podcast, Jim Hall. Hello. When I said that, do you think people were hoping for Phil Walsh? No. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, half of them just switched off, and then the other one, <laughs> the other one. So, Jim, uh, you and Dave are here because you're comic experts, presumably. I wouldn't say that. Comic no, fans, comic fans, isn't it? We're, we're overly familiar for men of their age. <laughs> and you're you live in Crystal Palace, Jim? Yeah. Yes. Just in case anyone's wondering how legitimate this is to have you on if, the if show. If they want to find me out, yeah. Dave, have you ever been to South London? Once or twice. It's overrated, isn't it? Have Come you on. ever been through Choice? Nah, never, never, never chosen to go been, to that Went to an art gallery. Which ones? Which uh, gallery? Tate Modern. In, it was in some arches underneath. <laughs> it was not a big thing. It was somebody I know. A lot of people listen to shouting our name right now, isn't it? Just saying that one, the arches. Had Red Gates. Oh, so. oh the Red Gate Gallery in uh, South London. <laughs> That's probably it. Um, I don't read a lot of comics, so I'll... Uh... Confess right you now. You have not read a lot, but you've yeah, I've got... you showed me your comic collection, didn't you? Do you remember that? Yeah, well, when we first met, you know, on that Doctor Who forum. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I've got that, um, an A4 a box. Uh, kind it's a paper, of... uh, a printer paper box. Isn't yeah, it? that's what it is. Yeah. Full of comics. That's how many comics I've got. Yeah. So I grew up uh, reading Captain America and The Punisher and Spider Man, and that was it, really. This Daredevil. is it. You've got about, you know, uh, a good foot. I've got a foot's worth of comics. But, but I would argue you've got. Two good ones, and one of them is that Bible one that's just mad. <laughs> oh, yeah, with yeah. the mammoth on the cover. Yeah, that's right. The Punisher. Bible. What's the other one? <laughs> uh, I've got Punisher War Journal number one. Yeah, right? That's paid not one seven one. pounds no, for it, Jim. But there was a sticker underneath that said eight pounds. So. Felt like you won, didn't you, for a second? <laughs> that saved a pound. You were like Dickinson's <laughs> real deal there. <laughs> right, that's all I've got for the show. <laughs> But Steve, you work in a comic shop. Uh, I do. Gosh, do you want to say the website now? Uh, it's goshlondon.com. Yeah, Berwick, 1 Berwick Street, the if you want to come along. Street. If you go to, what's the website? Uh, goshlondon.com. Go to goshlondon.com, uh, add loads of stuff to your basket. When you get to the checkout, <laughs> you put SLHC as the prom- <laughs> promotional code. Will you sort something out, Steve, so people can get 10% off or When something? people go to our website, it doesn't have uh, a web shop. Oh, you'll have to come in then. Come yeah, in the come shop. Come into the shop. Steve will hook you up with some kind of discount. <laughs> or whoever's working that day. <laughs> yeah, please mention to whoever's working that day that there's been yeah, a, say a, South a, a list of discount that's been organised and try and get me fired. That would be great. So we're going to be talking about comics in South London. Otherwise, this isn't a legitimate podcast. But I think to start with just uh, a quick overview of British comics in general just because I think at the end we'll realise and realise not only that South London's very significant in the history of British comics but much more significant than even I imagined I, I wanted to do this podcast on the basis of a few things I think but having done the research I realised there was actually more than I'd imagined in terms of British comics I think just from general knowledge if, I, if to go around even start with you Jack who you, oh, you, you no, name, name a British comic fun. Jim Davidson. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Name a very British comic. No, he had his own comics. (laughs) Did he? They've been rebooted recently. (laughs) Uh, I don't know, Judge Dredd? Yeah, there you go, 2000 AD. Dave? Uh, Captain Britain. Yeah, there you go, RBUK. Uh, Dennis the Menace. Yeah. The Beano, the Dandy. They're oh, all... I used to read those all yeah, the time. Exactly. Yeah, That's Scotland, though, isn't it? So. That's the thing, yeah. That is, you know, when you're making a list of uh, definitive British comics, I think Dandy and Beano would be a lot of people's first choices. Uh, Dundee, so we can't claim those. I'd My say... family's from Dundee, man. McEnroy. Is it? So I'm having that. You can be... Uh... Dundee Hardcore, man. Spin-off show. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 7. Uh, Deep Fried Mars Dundee Bars. Comics, isn't it? But the thing is, that with the Beano and Dandy, they uh, ran for so long and have such a rich history, you could... They're still going, aren't they? Still going, yeah. The problem with the Beano and the Dandy is uh, you realise that where a lot of kids' comics sort of died out in the 80s and 90s, I think because of American cartoons that had good toys. That's, that's my theory, I don't know how um, it works. Also, there were other things for kids to spend their money on. Computer games, I'm yeah. not interested, yeah. yeah. Um, Push pops. The problem... <laughs> but... The, the, the Beano and the Dandy, I don't know if you know this, but it made me feel quite sad. Uh, their response to this 
was to uh, relaunch them. Yeah, I remember it well. I mean, I used to buy it every week. I'm saying I don't Do you know what comics. the new titles were when they relaunched? Uh, Dennis Darmenis. <laughs> Roger Da Dodger. <laughs> You, how about you doing a bad Irish accent? <laughs> uh, Roger. They did stick Dennis the Menace in a shell suit for a while. They did they? all that, yeah. They they they, they went for uh, Beano Max and Dandy Extreme. <laughs> no. With an X, drop the E. Yeah, so they tried to do this thing where it was like... Well, I was talking to Nat about it earlier, and he said with some of the Fleetway comics, they tried to do it. And they did the thing where they basically made them into superheroes. He had like Billy Wiz. And they turned him into wow. like a teenage hero speedster. And I think that's more legit. I mean, he's still not. Flash. Exactly, yeah. He was essentially a British Flash. Bash so, kids, X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I just heard Beano... Professor Xavier. <laughs> With, uh, um, Patrick Stewart and Plug. Yeah. It writes itself, doesn't it? It's, yeah. Let's do a spin-off after podcast and radio. I would say after that, uh, if you're moving through the country, Viz... Would be Why are we moving through the country, man? It's called the, South London Hogwarts. We're heading south, isn't it? We're heading south all the time. We're going southbound. Yeah. Where's Dundee's Viz? Very Where's Viz, come Viz is Newcastle. Oh, that's why Tom Evans loves it so much, isn't it? <laughs> Probably. Okay. It's legitimate. Um, then after that, you had uh, the Marvel UK stuff, obviously. A lot of important titles there. Captain Britain, as you say, and uh, various uh, Doctor Who uh, magazines, who everyone worked for. Yeah, I mean, obviously Marvel's an American company, but they'd yeah. have a British arm through the 70s so yeah. a lot of it was reprint material of American superhero comics ah there we go was that expected that no. <laughs> um, not that's the shock phone is it yeah do you refer to it as like the bat phone or something dear <laughs> 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 we don't uh, yeah no Marvel UK is reprinting American superhero comics in black and white yeah but they often um, pasted out some of the references to American hosts and put in things like David Frost or something. do you know who was <laughs> uh, responsible for that innovation Neil Tennant Neil Tennant of the Pet Shop Boys headed up Marvel UK and said to make the comics more relevant for a UK audience we need to change some of the dialogue so as you say yeah. we'd paste Walter in Cronkite would become yeah Robert Maxwell. Side. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were just, um, yeah. And so Neil Tennant did that before moving on to Smash Hits and eventually the Pet Shop Boys. He leaves, Deskin comes in, revitalises the line, introduces Doctor Who magazine. Um, but then I would say after that, once you account for the Bean Under Dandy, Viz, and the uh, Beezer, Marvel UK, uh, Beezer would also be a DC Thompson style. So yeah, uh, no, I'm just chuckling. <laughs> I want people listening to know. I've got, got comic knowledge. I want people listening to know the terrified look on your face when I ask you to name any British comic. Suddenly he's yeah. like pouring, they're pouring out of him. He's got Tourette's. He's like a beezer. He just, uh, just say it if it uh, comes to mind. After that, after the DC Thompson titles, Viz and Marvel UK, every other significant British comic came from South London. It's a bold claim. Dave's looking uh, dubious, I but. Don't know any other British comics. Dave, what are you doing on the show? <laughs> yeah. Dave, uh, Roy of the Ropers. Yeah, they came from South London. That's, yeah, that's South London. And wow, football. I'm definitely not involved <laughs> in that. I'm like, although set in Melchester. Set in Melchester, yeah, yeah. which uh, I think was between uh, Penge and Bromley. So. <laughs> was there ever any indication of where Melchester was? No, no they very deliberately. I always assumed it was Northern, man. Yeah, I thought it was. Well, it, yeah, it's got long Manchester hair, isn't it? <laughs> like a mullet. It was, uh, so is that meant to be set in South London? Oh, no, no, not Or is it that oh, the pub that was Well, the interesting in thing as well is, um, and this is uh, another sort of general point I want to make as well, I think when we look at the portrayal of London and South London in comics, you can make a, an argument that up to a, uh, a certain point in history, it, London isn't represented in comics at all in any real sense. The, the nature of the comics that are being made means that London isn't an issue. You know, with the early stuff, with the Beano and Dandy and other sort of... Uh, cartoon comics like that. There's no attempts at representation. You'll have the occasional thing, but you know, town. Well, they'll yeah, they'll, they'll come. It, it, it's, well, it's also the thing of, and, and this is another one come to the sort of uh, the visual shortcut. You know, if they come to London, they'll go to Big Ben. They're not going to go anywhere that isn't instantly recognisable to an eight-year-old. So they're, they're as you say, they're, they're in anonymous places. But when they go to anywhere recognisable, they go straight to Lambeth. Whereas Daredevil is living in Hell's Kitchen. You know, it's quite uh, yeah. specific. It's, it gets a bit more sophisticated. Yes, yeah, so you have like the Dandy and Beano doing cartoon stuff, so uh, the representation of, of London isn't going to be an issue. Then, as things get more sophisticated, you have sort of adventure and, and war comics for boys. But obviously, war comics by their nature very rare. You know, you're not going to do an. Is that like a subgenre of blitz comics? No, there isn't really. Well, That's the thing. You, there, there might be scenes, but they'd sort of cut back to 
yeah, I think because I did a little bit of research on things yeah. like Commando. Yeah, you yeah. got a few which were like, yeah, but again, flying right over big. Bends. It'd be more like an establishing shot to sort of determine yeah. why they were going out to win this war, yeah. rather than a story setting. Because I guess the nature of those comics was usually one man left to take on all of the Germans or oh. Japanese or whatever. Whereas <laughs> if it, the Blitz was a bit grim, really. Wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but even uh, with Charlie's War, uh, yeah. occasionally I've seen back on Civvy Street. But you know, again, even that, which was a very sort of naturalistic, realistic comic. They weren't caught up in trying to place it in a particular uh, geographical location. Um, Steve, before you move on, are you going to answer Jim's question about Royal Rovers? What was Jim's question about Royal Rovers? Like, what's the was, link? Was Melchester meant to be somewhere in the South London, or was it more? No, it was no, it was, it was um, published. Yeah, right, yeah. Okay. As I say, when when I say originate from the creator from where's the creator from? Well, the, the, this is only there, there's uh, I couldn't think of any sort of prominent. So they South got London they put ink on paper in South London. Yeah. Essentially, yeah, you're claiming yeah. that. Fact. Well, that but that becomes quite significant when we look at well, uh, comics is vital, isn't it? <laughs> but also the nature of how they present the comics as well. Um, yeah, so you get these naturalistic comics like action and, and battle, and the girls' comics as well are very naturalistic. Uh, the, the strips are. Uh, very normal situations, but they tend to be boarding schools, they tend to be quite pastoral settings. So, again, London's off the agenda. It's only really when you come into the 80s and you have uh, comics like Crisis and Deadline and Revolver and Warrior with strips like V for Vendetta and Marvel Man that you get recognisable locations. I mean, there will be some examples of that, but suddenly it becomes a thing where the sort of veracity of the location becomes one, particularly. I think with V for Vendetta and Marvel Man, they're two Alan Moore strips very much about power. In the case of V for Vendetta, it's about political power. So you have to show Parliament being blown up. You have to show places where Spoiler the government operates. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how much Jim hates midnight video <laughs> listeners will know how much Jim hates spoilers. And the film version of V for Vendetta. <laughs> <laughs> so we can happily spoil, spoil that. Pretty dismal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> pretty dismal. <laughs> it is not good. That's generous. And Marvel Man's about a superhero who becomes so powerful he essentially takes over the world. So again, they're, they're sort of, uh, and, and in doing so, destroys a lot of recognisable London landmarks. And, they, and again, it's a, it's a cultural shortcut, isn't it? With, with Independence Day, to show the effect of the, the invasion, you don't show a barn getting blown up in uh, a, a, a tiny little farm in Kansas. You show the White House getting blown up. Yeah. And really? similarly with London, with... In Miracle Man, I think it ends with bodies impaled on the hands of Big Ben. Absolutely, yeah. 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 yeah it, and the Bank of England getting blown to pieces. And, and yeah. that's the thing, like traditionally with London, the, the places of power and influence have been north of the river. So if you're showing these traditional power structures crumbling, you're not going to show, you know, Batsy Power Station maybe? You're going to sort of blow that up a little bit? But no one's no one's taking out the Not ocean. One of the no one's going to go. Uh, we need to show the Elsham Centre in Peckham as a smouldering wreck. And Only then will the, it come home to these people. But my concern, Steve, is that we can't just keep talking about when South London's not in comics because then I could just go on about Spider-Man, couldn't I? You could go. Bring on it back. Get South we're London gonna, into this talk. We're gonna we're gonna, we're getting to South London very much so. The possibly the most important uh, publisher in British comics is IPC Fleetway, who were based at... King's Reach Tower. Stamford Street mm-hmm. in Southwark. Opposite my, my, the school I went to. And this is where... The fact that these comics are produced in this place, uh, as you say, it's not necessarily they're being created there, the students aren't there, the, the creators are dotted around the country, but the location of King's Reach Tower, and particularly the way that Fleetway and IPC used it, um, do make it very significant. Because... Uh, the IPC headquarters are based in South London and uh, IPC published 2000 AD. What does that make King's Reach Tower Day? It's Dave. Dave. <laughs> Dave. The listeners me. don't know you were looking yeah, at yeah. Um, No. Because um, 2000 AD had the conceit that its editor was a, an alien called Thug the Mighty and King's Reach Tower was actually a spaceship which was... Um, Manned by, if that's the right word, by robot versions of the various writers and artists. So occasionally it would take off and go on little journeys. They would, they would do, uh, particularly in the eighties, they did. They yes. had this mad run of photo comics uh, where they would have uh, someone dressed as Thog wandering around the actual offices of King's Reach Tower, um, basically ordering people around. Robots. Uh, robots. Yeah. Um, and it was known as Thog's Nerve Centre, yeah. and it was always played on as this uh, sort of way. So uh, Thog's Nerve Centre was in South London. Mm. So, and as I say, the actual location was seen a lot in the comics. Um, Nat, who I work with, we were talking about this today, uh, and he was saying he worked for uh, a company 
that found film locations for magazines. It was like a research company for uh, things. And uh, he was working with a guy who got chatting to a guy on the phone at TV Quick. And uh, they sort of started to like each other. So they organised, rather than make it uncomfortable, they organised like drinks for the TV Quick lot and the company that they worked for, <laughs> but at King's Reach Tower. So um, they went up and uh, Nat said, everyone else was just thinking, this is a bit awkward, we've got to go for this drink to cover for this guy who fancies this girl. But Nat was just going around with his camera going, click, Look at those robots. Yeah, he was just like taking pictures going, this is definitely the bit where Farg tells them to. And they were all just like, just keep up. This is uh, ridiculous. So yeah, Tharg's nerve centre. Can I, can I throw in a little bit of Tharg? It's go probably not going to be too useful on a podcast, but... Uh... I got this print off of an old 2000 AD cover with Thark himself. Hmm. Definitely on Jar Jazz. Well, Zard- well Zar Jazz was a term in 2000 AD to mean uh, brilliant. Yeah. The creep that stole Croydon. Yes, that's why I've chosen it. It's, it's <laughs> Thark who looks like a green skinned motorcycle courier. <laughs> a a top knot, but looking at a smoking crater with Croydon pointing at it. And that's from uh, 1981. I remember Croydon reading that. hasn't changed, does it? Well, <laughs> I remember reading that in 1981. I'd never heard of Croydon, and I assumed it was a fictitious town. <laughs> I, thought they'd, um, I thought they'd come up with a name that suggested yawning, uh, boring, and creaking, and that yeah. kind of thing. And uh, yeah, I was a bit surprised to find you were in Redditch at the time. I was in Redditch. <laughs> <laughs> so you had a point of comparison. I was 12 miles south of Which I thought was a. Fi- I grew up thinking it was a fictional town. It is. <laughs> And similarly, um, Eagle, which was another uh, Fleetway production in the 80s, because the thing was, Farg became very popular. So Fleetway really thought they cracked it at this point. So they had a conceit at one point or another where every one of their comics or magazines had uh, a sort of editorial, editorial yeah. figurehead, usually a cartoon character or, or someone dressed up in an <laughs> outfit. Do you remember Doom Lord? Well, he was an Eagle. He wasn't the editor yeah. that was. He, he wasn't was, the editor, so. but he would turn up every so often yeah. on the sort of... Uh, editorial pages and he was uh, basically a guy both of them when they turned out were clearly in rubber masks weren't they were, you know quite decent rubber masks but just these uh, horrific looking rubber masks they just introduced you to the comic I think it was a, it's a conceit they took from the EC comics in the Crypt Keeper yeah, sort guess. of inviting you into the comic uh, my favourite was uh, a, a, um, a comic they did called Scream which didn't yeah. last that long but the editor of that was a guy called uh, Ghastly McNasty yeah. and he was, a, he was a hooded character hooded character whose face you never saw and there, the conceit there was every week they'd sort of award a prize to the person who best guessed yeah. what Garth They'd have to like. send a drawing of what they thought he looked like. And the real likeness was apparently locked in the Bank of England. <laughs> because if anyone looked at it, they would die. <laughs> <laughs> but then it got cancelled, so we never knew. But, um, yeah, it, got, it had a really short it run be because there, yeah. uh, it was a horror comic uh, that was genuinely quite horrific. It was quite sort of, for the time and for the because it was aimed at kids. There's always it was uh, yeah. No, I was I was looking around on that to see if any of those strips were set in South London because there's one called the Thirteenth Floor, set in a tower block yeah, with yeah. A, a computerized lift, which was a bit like Hal from 2001. <laughs> okay, yeah. So he talked but, to the residents, but if anyone was in trouble, go, oh man, the rent collector's out for me. He'd wait till the rent collector got in, and then he would send them off to this kind of um, hallucinogenic world. He was, he was essentially so an elevator with a really to strong moral compass. Yeah. So if someone going and went, um, I can't wait to go upstairs and vandalise uh, the balcony, he'd basically just go, no chance. And just there, uh, as if my someone was not going to mention. Yeah. And it was usually ironic. So he, you know, that person there get vandalised to death. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got a list of some of uh, IPC and Fleetway's uh, publications. And some of them are, as I say, amongst the most significant in... British comics history. I mean, 2000 AD is arguably Britain's best-known comic globally. Mm-hmm. Produced characters such as uh, Judge Dredd, Strontium Dog, Slain. I mean, I was thinking about 2000 AD. The thing is, because it's science fiction, not that many of the strips are actually set in London or Britain. No. Even. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're mostly either set in space or on alien worlds. Or a lot of the Earthbound ones are set in America, which I'm not sure was cynically with some view to reprinting them for the yeah. American market or whether they knowing the people who created them <laughs> well, even, anti-establishment were just going Britain's going to be f- in the future <laughs> well even set them um, in America even when when you had Judge Dredd which was set in America when he visited or you saw Britain in Judge Dredd it was like a stereotypical American version of Britain yeah Brit sits which had things like the new old Bailey <laughs> <laughs> 
and they, you know, they wouldn't be afraid to show the residents of Brisbane walking around with umbrellas and, and bowler hats, even though it was 1985, and uh, they were not valid uh, representations of the British public at that point. Although, do you remember when they had uh, Judge Dredd going to Ireland? I don't remember the snow. Oh, yeah. Well, it's Garth Ennis, I suppose. You can okay. Write it. But whereas Judge Dredd's gun, his lawgiver, has settings to sort of incendiary and rubber ricochet and armour piercing, the Irish ones had chips and mash. It's <laughs> 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 fine. And a little harp on the front of their uh, helmets. The Irish judges are armed with that gun and a knobbly stick. And a point of Guinness. He got no arm. Action and Battle, who aren't as famous as comics, I don't think generally, but in the comics industry, very well. Yeah, yeah, very sort of. A lot of, again, a lot of important strips there. Uh, Charlie's War and. Yeah, I mean, Red the and idea with Action was a lot of the strips in there were rip offs of popular films from the time. There was one called Hookjaw about a shark and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the shark was the hero, wasn't he? Again, yes. again Hookjaw. People was taunting sort of... him by having high diving contests. And just, uh, <laughs> people would high dive off. It was a bit like the Birdman of Bogner, I guess. But then suddenly Hookjaw would come out. To know it wasn't Jaws, he had a big harpoon sticking through his mouth. So he was already in a bad mood with humanity. <laughs> Uh, Dredger. permanently had a hook in his jaw. Hence hook jaw, yeah. You could, That's why like, he's in a bad mood, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So, he's, you know. he's miffed, yeah. But, uh, there was <laughs> that was the tagline, wasn't it? Hook jaw. He's, he's miffed. <laughs> <laughs> he's browned off. Um, I mean, probably the most famous strip in action, though, was Kids Rule OK. Notorious, yeah. That yeah was... Which is actually what got it banned, I think, because of one of the covers, which I've got down here somewhere. Which isn't very South London, but it does have one of the kids... There we go. Having a go at a policeman. And I think they had to recolour that so his uniform wasn't blue, but his, uh, his helmet's definitely there. Agro is a way of life. Yeah. <laughs> and what's the setup I've got down there? I think it was in a future... Is it 1986 when adults... The plague has wiped out, out the adult population with the result that violent gangs of children run riot. So yeah, Roy of the Rovers was another uh, Fleetway uh, publication. Buster, Wizard and Chips, the sort of uh, probably the most famous comics ones. The Eagle. Well, yeah, I thought you might have mentioned that earlier. Um, the Eagle. The Eagle, yes. A <laughs> uh, famous character from that would be Dan Dare. I don't know, is he still famous? Do you know who he is? Yeah, he's a picture of him over there. All <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Sorry. He launched yeah, a few we're... years ago. All right. Oh, yeah, didn't Grant Morrison or someone do it? Garth Ennis. Garth Ennis. Garth Ennis. Right. Grant Morrison had a go in, in the 80s as well. He had a go. Yeah. But yeah, Dan Dare, very... Uh, is over there, Jim, next to Super Dinosaur magazine? <laughs> <laughs> there's, a new, there's a new issue in it. No, Dan, Dan Dare was kind of like a... Uh, Royal Air Force officer mm. in the future in 1996 because the Eagle was kind of like was in the oh, yeah. but nothing had changed the well, no, lots there were spaceships but the class system was still very much yeah, in place that's I, interesting I couldn't find this picture but apparently um, there was a in the first issue there was a big location shot of London of 1996 first adventure had Dan Dare going off to Venus to try and stop rationing <laughs> finally <laughs> uh, but apparently uh, space headquarters is at Millbank Oh, really? And, uh, yeah. Okay. I've not found any picture proof to back this up. Yeah. But uh, that would have been nice. A big rocket there. <laughs> I've just remembered uh, Warlord. Is, mm. that, a, is yeah. that a British comic? Yeah. yeah. I remember a strip in yeah. that. I had annuals of that when I was a kid. One of the strips that I loved was this kid. He was probably like 10. He's got an army of miniature the toys. toys. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was just great. It was such a cool concept. So I wish I could have those toys. And the toys, it was... Wished. Don't it, currently. <laughs> <laughs> Past tense. Oh, now. Yeah, he'd use the toys to sort of help him with like, everyday things as well, wouldn't he? It'd there'd, be... there'd be like a, a kitten drowning yeah. in a lake and he'd like, fly a plane this, over. This that wouldn't a... work, so he'd send one of his boats was, out. Was this set <laughs> during World War Two? I, I think it was probably from the 60s. No, I was going to say it was... Yeah, but it was in Warlord? Yeah. All right, I thought he'd be, you know... Oh no! Uh, I think it was Taking like contemporary on. with whenever it was published. That's probably absorbed from. There were no <laughs> something Richard. There were no like Nazis or Russians in it. It was just kittens great in trees, kittens in lakes. Toys versus Nazis. It would have been. <laughs> and apart from uh, IPC Fleetway, the other sort of major strand in British comics probably Warrior Magazine, which produced uh, a lot of significant. Is that stuff on those? Yeah. Go on. Where? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, and then someone asked me a question. Steve, really? Yeah, um, there was. Uh, did it absorb anything, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> it did actually, yeah, because Marvel Man, of course, was previously published by um, L. Miller in the fifties and sixties. So Warrior, Warrior. No, I'm thinking of Wizard Magazine, aren't I? Oh, the comics. Yeah, magazine. yeah. 
With, oh, uh, then what's the what's this warrior business? Yeah, warrior <laughs> was from like 1982, and I suppose 2000 AD had been a hit for a while, and this was. Um, the production values were a bit higher. I remember it being an extortion at 40 pence, which was... Well, wow, 2000 AD had already tried it. Well, that started. one you just showed me, uh, uh, Jim, was 15p, that Croydon comic. So, <laughs> shocker. That's quite oh, a yeah, mark-up, no, isn't it? Yeah, it's a hell of a mark-up. But yeah, that contained a few Alan Moore strips, Viva Vendetta and Marvel Man or Miracle Man, depending yeah. on, because there's a copyright issue there. Um, what were the other things? The Bo Jeffries saga? Bo Jeffries saga was in there. Um, Bo Big, Big Ben's. yeah. Yeah, that was kind of a weird... Big Ben and a comic. Where was what did he do? Go around solving mysteries? Big Ben was the man with no time for crime. <laughs> he was in a skin-tight outfit which was designed to look like a pinstripe three-piece and he had a bowler hat and a little domino mask and an umbrella. If you go to uh, the Quality Comics website now, they still own... Uh, the, the misleadingly titled Quality Comics. <laughs> <laughs> they, they've got a list of uh, the rights that are available. Uh, so they've got this list that goes uh, V for Vendetta rights successfully sold to DC Comics uh, film rights sold to Warner Brothers uh, Marvel Man rights successfully sold to DC uh, to Eclipse Comics uh, uh, film rights un- currently unavailable Big Ben all rights available for <laughs> AI yeah there's certain things that aren't going to uh, sell through but yeah, um, yeah Marvel Man and uh, V for Vendetta were like the breakout uh, stories yeah. from Warrior Magazine but Warrior Magazine itself um, there was a comic shop on Lewisham Way called uh, Skinny Malinx. Not Skinny Malinx, actually. That yeah, was on the Lewisham, Lewisham Way as well. Though, yeah, right? it was. But a little further down, uh, number three Lewisham Way, you had Weird Fantasy, uh, which was uh, did, a comic shop. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> Dressing up in a bowler hat with an umbrella. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the owner of Weird Fantasy, Des Skin, was the editor of Warrior Magazine. He basically needed some office space to run Warrior Magazine from. So this guy who owned the comic shop said, you can use uh, upstairs of uh, our comic shop. It's a perfect point for creators to meet up. It's a you know a natural place. So their skin... Not operates. as tall as King's Reach Tower. Not as tall as King's Reach Tower. It hasn't got the rocket propulsion. It's not a spaceship, though. Um, so their skin starts to uh, publish Warrior Magazine out of uh, the, the upstairs office uh, of Weird Fantasy in uh, Lewisham Way. Quality Communications is the name of his uh, publishing company. He then gets a chance to take over the shop as well. He renames it Quality Comics. Um, so you have this point where the comic is being published out of uh, a comic shop. You've got people who are working for the comic that are working in the shop as well as a lot of sort of uh, local uh, crossover. But it's quite interesting because out of that, you get uh, quite a significant thing where that particular area or, and the surrounding areas become a bit of a nexus for um, comic creators. You've got goldsmiths as well, so you've got a sort of. And I think we talked about it in the New Cross show, didn't we? The fact that the area as a whole has a very sort of creative vibe to it, doesn't it? You get a lot of graduates staying in the area. There's a lot of uh, open galleries. There's a lot of uh, events going on. And recently, there's a guy called Alex Fitch who does uh, a podcast called Panel Borders, which is all about comics. Um, yeah, he did um, a show recently where he basically just talked to comics creators from Broccoli. Right, well, what were we doing this for? Cut this, <laughs> turn this off, put that on. <laughs> um, but it was quite interesting just in terms of the, the range of creators that you get from one particular location in South London. He, he managed to get uh, Kieran Gillen, who's the current writer for Uncanny X-Men, um, Howard Hardiman, who uh, does... Small... He's a superhero, isn't he? Sorry? Howard Hardiman. He does a lot really of uh, small press titles, including the Peckham Invalids, which obviously uh, is set very much in South London. Simone Lear, who does autobiographical comics, so there's uh, you know, recognisable laundrettes that her characters go to. Um, Gary Northfield, who has had strips of the Beano and is currently doing a strip for the uh, Phoenix comic, uh, but it's called Gary's Garden. And he's living in Broccoli, but now lives in Crystal Palace. So the garden that you see in that comic is a South London garden. So, you know, massive significance. Um, Woodrow Phoenix, uh, who again does... Not his real name, obviously. As far as I understand it... Woodrow Phoenix, Steve. Well, that's the name he goes by. What what, what are you going to call him? (laughs) Um, And uh, Julia Shaver. And uh, similarly, in the area, you've got uh, the Flea Station which is the studio set up at the old police station in New Cross, where we went last year for New Cross Turn Left, the small pressure. Yeah, we went there, didn't we? We did. (laughs) It's all coming out now. You weren't that impressed by the sounds of it. 
No, I just I just find uh, small press comics to be the least value for money of anything that's available. Do you know what I mean? It's like a quid a world. It's like a quid a page, isn't it? I'd, it I'd does work out. I've thought about it. It's, well, it's not just. Like, <laughs> I'm not sure why people don't just put them online if they're going to do them in that small. I don't know. Maybe people yeah. still like a physical thing. Not, yeah. Also, yeah, it's, 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 you might as well just put it online because and because they create be, the, they love ink and paper. They don't want to make yeah. web comics. You can just yeah. print it off though. The quality of paper is <laughs> just printing paper, isn't it? From well, no, not really. It depends. Uh, we got some comics in last week from uh, a woman called uh, Christina Bajinski, who's a small press creator. But her books are so beautifully produced, they put. That no man can look at it. I have to keep it. In. <laughs> They're locked in the Bank of England. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, I just think they put a lot of uh, so called professional publications to shame. I think she does uh, remarkable work. Yeah, so, I, I appreciate the physical aspect of it. Yeah. I'm not sort of uh, dismissing that. But sometimes when something is a narrative, right, and it's like four pages, and they always pay four quid for it. Do you know what I mean? Compared to like, as you were saying earlier, Steve, one piece is a pound. So <laughs> you do the math. I think four pages for four pounds. Also, but also a lot of it. Uh, this is design aspect. You're paying for it as a piece. Is your of world work crumbling well. now? <laughs> I read two comics, Steve, while I was waiting for uh, these guys. Which comics did you read? Uh, Gangster Rap Posse. Two issues of it. Right, yeah. brilliant. Benjamin Mara. He's he's from America, so it's I'm not hilarious. buying that. Though. I read it in there. Read it in the <laughs> oh, we're we're back to Waterstones now. Well, no, never Waterstones, man. No, but, but no, when we worked there, it was always terrible at the end of the day when there would have been people with terrible hygiene who'd just been going right through the comic section that Dave ran. One guy with, oh, were the comics particularly hard hit then? Yeah. Oh, people just You'd, sit in those comfortable chairs all day Because they're so easy to pick up and you can read a whole one in like half an hour, which is yeah. a book, you know. They, they want to come in, read something quickly, and then go and sleep on the streets, don't they? <laughs> comic <laughs> fans. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, you would get people... That that would annoy me, but what annoyed me more is you get people coming into Waterstones, sitting on the sofa and then reading the Metro. Yeah. What's all that about? Oh, that's right. You've come oh, into a bookshop and you can't find one single thing you want to look at. Disgraceful, isn't it? Luckily, the security had absolute power to eject them. <laughs> it doesn't say much for the power of the banner, does it? If they can't look at the banner and see like things just jumping out at them. We've had a look at some comics set in London <clears throat> and set in South London. Um... Comics set in London generally. I was talking to you about it before, we were having a little uh, discussion about it. You suggested Hellblazer, which yeah. I thought was a very strong suggestion. Unfortunately, it doesn't really go to South London. Hellblazer's about John Constantine, who's a, a blue-collar magician created by Alan Moore in Swamp Thing in the 80s, and he got his own spin-off series that was very popular. And it's basically London-based magical this is uh, Keanu Reeves made a movie of it. Well, this is, this is yeah. Uh, yeah it's quite interesting you've got you've got uh, as, uh, have you heard of Dylan Dog no. Dylan Dog's the longest running comic set in London it's an Italian comic again about uh, a magical investigator um, who Dylan is a dog? dog he's a human he's a human right. just called I was Dylan Dog he was, I his last name is Dog <laughs> his last name is Dog well it's the name he goes under um, and he basically investigates magical crime in London. So it's a similar sort of aesthetic to uh, Hellblazer. Quite so quiet, got... yeah, his business <laughs> at the moment. Um, so you've got, uh, you know, Hellblazer and Dylan Dog, which, uh, you know, as far as I can tell... Are they teaming up? Well, they're, they're, they're the two <laughs> longest running... into each other? featuring, but then they'll yeah. just get rid of uh, one or the other. Um, but it's interesting you mentioned the Keanu eating, because I was, I was looking at both of them, and they've both been adapted into films. Um, Hellblazer Dylan the film was adapted into a film. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Story who who, start, who it's, played Dylan Dog? Um, <laughs> Richard Burton. It was, it was quite recent, but it's a, it's a name. It's a name you recognise. Um, Say it. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, because, but the, the significance of the film adaptations, I think, for both of them is these are the two longest-running uh, London-based comics. And in both cases, when they adapt it into a film, they move locations. So Constantine was set in Los Angeles, because uh, obviously that's what Americans want to see, and Dylan Dog was relocated to New Orleans. Oh, which after is the uh, like thingy, Bad Lieutenant, it's mm, popular to remake. Yeah, did her song direct? Uh, <laughs> oh, Kinski, no, no. Kinski played Dylan Dog. <laughs> um, and then you've got other comics, you know, uh, the Pat Mills uh, 2008 series Defoe, which <clears> is set in sort of 17th century London, but again, very much central London, north of the river. Let's keep it south London, Steve. We'll get there. Yeah, there. there. We're, We're there now. <laughs> um, you mentioned Super God. 
Dave. Yeah, super god. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> Everyone thinks he's a regular yeah. god. And he's bitten. Yeah, he's <laughs> bitten by a regular Is it called active. Secret Identity? You'd, you'd imagine <laughs> either part of that name is a redundancy, but uh, they don't <laughs> Hold on, is he part of a pantheon of gods or is it the Just, god? Just let, let Jim no have a guess at who wrote it. Yeah, let, I just want to hear more of Jim's theories about what, uh, <laughs> what Supergod could be. Is it written by Grant Morrison? It's not. Is yeah, it written Mark, by Mark Miller? It's not Mark Miller. Joseph Lowe. It's in that generation. It's not Joseph British. Lowe. Uh, British. <laughs> Warren Jeff Ellis. Lowe, yeah. Yes. Oh, Got it on his third guess. <laughs> Warren, Warren, Warren Ellis. Ellis. That means so much to Jack. Yeah. I've heard the name. Didn't one of you have a Twitter spat with him? He lives in South End. I don't know if that's where. He's too south. He's too south. It's too sad. <laughs> that's his. Uh, he's that's gone hashtag. He's gone south. Yeah. Um, yeah. Super gods. Uh, it's basically about. Uh, or super, super gods. It's super god singular, oh, but man. it's I was about. It was just god. It's about yes. essentially. It is a pantheon. Yes. It is a pantheon. It's it's sort of super powered uh, uh, characters created by various national governments. Isn't it? Yeah. And there's an English one that goes rogue, and in the best tradition of all these. Uh, Does he have a bowl out? He doesn't. But what does he do? It starts off with uh, space fungus. That's, that's how the, the gods get created. Space fungus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds great, Jim, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Space fungus. Yeah, it's not it's, South London. It's not South London, unfortunately. Suggested yeah. it because it's just um, bits and Jack, you, yeah. you had a look at Excalibur, which is uh, yeah. you know, probably Marvel's, you know, Captain Britain sides as an ongoing series. Marvel's most significant British based comic was uh, Excalibur. They were mostly based. Uh, in a lighthouse off of the coast of Scotland, but would occasionally come to London. South London? No spottings in South London. Because this was uh, like an X-Men spin-off, wasn't it? It's yes, like, yeah, it well, so they um, thought we'd just do an X-Men in England, is that the idea? Yeah, and well, well I say England, at, at the time, uh, Chris Claremont, who uh, was, an Eng- was English-born and, and, and raised in England, uh, was essentially running the X-Men universe. So he suggested... Uh, that, and they had... Uh, some characters uh, from the UK and Europe. There's a, there was a. I read the first uh, issue and a half, right, and I gave up. The artwork's <laughs> fantastic. Alan um, Davis. Alan Davis. Yeah, it's like. Uh, how do you describe it? It's like a kind of classic. Uh, it's very style, clean. Very it? clean lines. Very. Uh, clean lines. It's, it's sort of fluid it's, looking. Yeah. Turbulent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dave, help me out. <laughs> similar to Brian Hitch. It is similar to Brian Hitch. Yeah, um, really, really uh, gorgeous. Yeah, great looking man. And is, like, but it's overwhelmed, overwhelmed with characters. I thought that's the thing, not accessible at all for new readers. It was no. a new series, but you had to have pretty much the last fifteen years. There's of, like ghosts, mummies, things floating around, like things that are half animal. There's the Kelsey Grammer character. Kelsey uh, Grammer. You know the Kelsey Grammer blue man from X Men. Also, I thought you meant Fraser Crane's terms. <laughs> uh, Warwolves. Uh, Warwolves. Yeah. Are you familiar are, with Warwolves, Jim? What, in general? Or yeah. in the Marvel Universe? Oh, I don't know, man. I think there's a separate version of them. Was it the Werewolf by Night? Was that well, a... uh, No, Warwolves were... War- Warwolves. Yeah, yeah, Warwolves. Yeah, I'm not oh. mispronouncing Werewolves. <laughs> They're like these kind of white, kind of wildcat-looking things. Silver. Silver. With like a kind of head, a vulture-type head. And they go and suck people's... Uh, they take people's skins. Yeah. One of them's called Jacko. Right. <laughs> which is my dad's name, basically. <laughs> um... Yeah, beautiful, aren't they? I say beautiful, like I'm not Dave, you know, David Attenborough. Well, it but, was, um, uh, you know, they're really great looking characters. The, th- the thing about them as well is, no, I don't know them. They're essentially, uh, they're essentially just silver uh, quadrupeds hmm. with no real distinguishing features, just very smooth bodies um, and faces, no facial uh, features. Hmm. But Adam just Davis a mouth. is so uh, masterful, his eyes and mouths. But oh, he, he gets expressions yeah, of sounds, shock and yeah. happiness and fear. Into these uh, sort of. They end up in London, in London Zoo at the end of uh, issue two. Um, But yeah, there's it's a kind of there's a blend of fictional London. There's a very like they kind of like Hobbs End Station. And when I type that from Quatermass and the Pit. Well, when I put Hobbs End Station into Wikipedia just to see if it was you know a regular, uh, but apparently Hobbs End is kind of a popular fictional location in many things. Yeah, Yeah. no, it's from Quatermass and the Pit, Uh, but I think because that's a very popular. Horror science fiction, kind of. Well, it was a TV show, and then they did a film of it. Hammer did a film in the sixties, but I think it has been referenced in lots of other things. Oh, I think it was in go. one of those John Carpenter. Yeah, in the mouth of madness. I think the, the town in that's called Hobbs End is a little. Yeah, that came it. up actually. Yeah. 
Um, and you've got like Merlin Muse they keep referring to in this kind of massive uh, building. I can't remember what it what it is now. Like it's glass building on the on the river. Mm-hmm. So like the river's obviously yeah. real, yeah. but that isn't. But then you've got like Big Ben turns up in it, Euston Station, um, and Marks and Sparks, right? <laughs> spelt with Mark, spelt with an X. So um, but there was this night. Like, there was another like just a little touch that was kind of nice and accurate. I thought where someone there's uh, someone's watching the telly and they list what's on right, and they say EastEnders Doctor Who film eighty eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was about when it was published. I should. Yeah, think, that so, was that uh, would have been boom. Uh, Easy with film, you know, you just added the year on, isn't it? It's all fine, <laughs> isn't it? But yeah, there was this. This is don't relate to South London, Steve. Obviously, most of the stuff you've said isn't either. But there's this scene where there's this like little kind of adolescent ginger Scottish mutant right <laughs> that's like living in a warehouse and they try these kind of police try and lure him out with a fish and chips but <laughs> <laughs> he disappears you know <laughs> he didn't fall for that Excalibur got cancelled in Everbury I mean uh, Alan Davis and Chris Claremont left the title for a while then uh, Davis came back and was writing and drawing it and it was still very good but then um, yeah Warren Ellis takes over and uh, yeah it's, uh, it's not great not great Run. Although I think he makes it more London, but still not very South London. And Warren Ellis has obviously done a few. He's done a few stories like Super Gods. Uh, he, uh, he does a series called Gravel as well, which again is about um, get, guess what? It's about a magical investigator based in London. Yeah, they, called Gravel. It's equal, called Gravel. Yeah. Actually, actually, can I make you? Can I make your life even harder? Uh, Gravel's official designation is as a combat magician. So. <laughs> What level? <laughs> I was top, hoping gravel top, was top just. Level. I was top hoping gravel was just going to be some gravel. Uh, it's, uh, and, but that's animated. another one where um, it's based in London. He never goes to South London. It's fine. Not at this time of night. I would have thought Warren Ellis would like South London. Mm, yeah, because he, he, he can it. really use the stereotype of just like mm. gritty, downtrodden, gritty council estates, can't he? <laughs> that's the sort of thing he loves. Speaking of. Uh, Gritty, downtrodden council estates. Are you moving into the Secret Service? Yeah, we can flip to the Secret Service. Um, a, a comic very much set in South London um, and uh, terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's not good, is it? How many no, issues? It's, it's not good. <laughs> How many issues are there? It's been three so far. Oh, so the, oh, so it is very new then. Oh yeah, very. What new, is it yeah. monthly or what? It's monthly, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's from Mark Miller, who, to be fair has produced some very good comics in his time. He's quite prolific, though. So, um, well, the thing is, right now, himself a bit he's thin, not maybe. producing any good comics. What he's producing is essentially... Uh, 100% crap. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's concepts to be made into films. And he's, he's made it very clear his current sort of uh, batch of output have already been picked up by a studio. So, essentially... This is just him creating brand awareness. This, for this has been picked up. Yeah, this has been picked up for a film. Yeah, yeah. Matthew Vaughan's producing it. Yeah, because it looks like Kickass has been a film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wanted was it? Wanted, yeah. And I guess to some extent the the whole Avengers thing was, Avengers, was kind of based on his version. Yeah, the Chitari with his creation. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, as I say, Mark Miller uh, has made some some great comics in his time, but now you get the feeling he's fallen in love with the fact that uh, he can actually with money. <laughs> well, no, not even money. I, I think it's the industry. I think it's the fact that he's in the film industry. I mean, in the Secret Service one, there's a, a cameo by Mark Hamill, and you just you get the feeling. I thought that's quite good. Is but it, the thing is, you, are the rights to him available? But the thing nah. is, he, Warren, uh, Mark Miller makes it very clear that uh, spoke to Mark. He was fine with it, and it's just the fact that he he's <laughs> mates with he's mates with Mark Hamill. That's what Don't he wants you to know. He wants you to know uh, that through. His comics finally he's broken through and done something worthwhile of his life. He didn't just waste his time uh, writing words for people's pictures. Mark he, he knows Mark Hamill. The Secret Service number one opens with uh, Mark Hamill's uh, kidnapping <laughs> and uh, really? yeah. and subsequent no, and subsequent death. The Mark Hamill. Yeah, yeah, actually yeah, the, Mark Hamill. The plot. Yeah. Gosh. The, the no, plot. I had a quick flick through this earlier, but I didn't recognise Mark Hamill as. Yeah, yeah. as we discussed, you. There is. <laughs> there is. <laughs> is lazy, there is Mark Hamill. Uh, yeah, abducted by terrorists. <laughs> it's then, not a very uh, flattering likeness. I mean, the not. art's by Dave Gibbons, who's well known for Watchmen and is a really good artist. But yeah, I was talking to Dave about this early. It's quite um, scrappy, isn't it? It's not. Yeah, it's, it's not. not Dave it's not Gibbons vintage. There's no backgrounds. No, um, that doesn't look like Mark Hamill. <laughs> no. 
as bad as the Mark Hamill opening is, it just gets worse. Because we then cut to... Uh, That's housing. the highlight. That Mark is the Hamill. highlight. And obviously there's lots of exploitative gore and... Uh, the Union Jack parachute. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Right. not afraid to... Uh, but yeah, they're straight into this uh, housing estate in... Uh, Peckham. Peckham. Yeah. yeah, which could be our friend Glenn's estate, couldn't it? It could be, but it seems to be um, entirely populated by subhumans. Yeah. <laughs> Roll daddy another spliff and you can get a custard cream. Yeah. That's uh, life in Peckham, according to... Uh, uh, they carefully made them all white as well. Oh, yeah. White working good. class. Yeah. But then, um, impossibly, the issue's lowest oh, there's, moment. Yeah. There's a, there's look a... at this... Do- does that look like a concerned dog to me? Like, there's, um, there's a car smashing into a lamppost and a dog just looks miffed again. It's basically they, uh, some, some young, young people uh, steal a car... <laughs> Uh, invariably chased by the cops. There's a car chase. I mean, what's Dylan Dog doing during all? Possibly the lowest point in the car chase. You know, it's the old Bill in it. Man, I told you on the other car stands out a bloody mile. Then the police chase him. Um, but ju- mid chase, uh, the passenger turns to the driver and says, Where are we going? This is a pedestrian precinct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and like, the thing is, the, Mark Miller's Scottish. Well, also, Mark Miller's human. So he should know what they sound like, humans. And again, I'm going to reiterate this. Mark Miller can write good comics. He's not at the moment writing good comics. He can do really good dialogue. Exactly. The tin ear he shows for dialogue here. Where are we going? This is a pedestrian precinct. No one has ever said anything in Australia, let alone during a car chase in South London. He at some point refers to social security as well. Which I is, don't uh, live in South London. Also, How many car chases occur there? In well, also, uh, like in, the next panel, uh, in the next panel, uh, the driver reveals his plan. Having gone through the pedestrian precincts, we can dump the car up by HMV and then run like hell down the canal. Here's the thing about Peckham, mm. and the thing is, in the seventies, as I say, where things weren't specifically, you know, geographically specific, that's you know, you get away things. In today's world, even if you're lazy, even if you're, you know, I'm not saying go to Peckham, Google take photographs, <laughs> Google Maps. Also, HMV Store Finder. You can just on the internet. It's one click away. There's no HMV in Peckham. There's gone, no canal in. They've Peckham. gone past a super drug there, by the looks of it. Well. <laughs> but they, they still disguise the. There is a super drug. Disguise the logo. I mean, it looks nothing like Peckham. It isn't. It is in no way. Uh, you know, and again, as you say, there's, there's very little backgrounds. It's just uh, buildings, non street buildings. But to say we're going to go for past the HMV in Peckham when there is an HMV. In it's you know it's very easily remedied. Could isn't it? could it just be that they've driven out of Peckham? Because they, they live might have done. They, yeah, they, they, they live in Peckham. I mean the, the just... nearest H, nearest HMV is uh, Oxford Street. Mm-hmm. Oh, you should have said Oxford Street. Or Oxford Street, yeah. Would have been more funny. Yeah, so Oxford Street, go past HMV, just run down the and <laughs> This is uh... they could have got Neil Tennant to go over that dialogue. <laughs> Anyone? It's just, mm. And then that's only issue one. Issue two, uh, there's a scene where two men go for a drink in a pub. And uh, are immediately accused of being gay and uh, have to fight their way out of it. Because <laughs> that, if you go to a pub in Peckham, it's the only, it's the only way you're going to get out of there alive, isn't it? Essentially. I was never accused of being gay when I lived in Peckham. You're not going to the right pub. Uh, what about no, what I tried it. Palace. <laughs> I never go to the pubs there. I'm going to ambush that now. I, I mentioned this earlier. Um, <laughs> Books of Magic, you read it? When it came out, yeah. If you open it up, uh, the opening scene. Is set in South London. Send me pages to take track to spot whereabouts in South London it takes place. Because I think uh, it's clearly recognisable. Don't be afraid to turn the page because it really becomes obvious on the next page. Don't be afraid to. Don't be afraid to. Oh, oh that's Elephant, isn't it? Yeah. Look at that. Page two. Ooh, no oh, wow. It could be a photograph. Yeah. It? It's, and this is the thing. When you look at the Secret Service and how badly photo reference or any sort of reference it is, I mean, there. <laughs> oh, it's horrible, isn't it? You can make <clears> out. Um, look at that. the coronet. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. Well, that's clearly. Yeah, that that's all. I mean, someone's taken a photograph and drawn it, haven't they? Yeah. But isn't it great? You, you know, you can specifically. Isn't make the artwork out. ugly? Who is it? No, I really like it. Uh, it's got four it's all, people it's all illustrated. Different people, yeah. That particular one would probably be. John Bolton. Scott Hampton. Mm, it might be Charles Vessel, I think. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm not a fan of that kind of stuff, did he? Yeah, no, Bolton. Dave? Nah, rubbish. <laughs> I want clearer lines. Oh, that's better, look. I mean, that's oh that is, that's the child that's stuff but um it, yeah no uh, it's just nice to actually have you know the, and as I say that was done in, in the 80s that was done pre-internet so someone's gone to the trouble of taking photographs of a location they're going to use and uh, recreating it faithfully as opposed to this where they've just sort of gone we'll use Peckham as cultural shorthand for word. deprivation well, it's, just, it's just to sort of go uh, 
here's some uh, deprivation and some subhumans which you will find in working class areas of South London. You, you didn't mention uh, in Secret Service the, the bit where some grown men just go out to smash up a news agent. Just, just yeah. for yeah. no just reason. Because because for something the Secret Service. Um, there's been other uh, appearances of South London comics recently. Um, you bought a copy of X-Men Legacy uh, a few months ago. Yeah, that was Peckham as well, wasn't it? Yeah, Peckham again. Cut to a derelict housing estate in Peckham. It was interesting as well because the the sort of uh, the story was the X-Men chasing a teleporter, essentially. Um, and they land in London, or the teleporter lands in London, and the first place he lands is Piccadilly Circus. So it is... Eros and the lights, and I was reading it thinking, and it was written by Mo, uh, Mike Carey, who again does, does is it look a, as good as that. No, it doesn't look as good as that. Look at that. This is uh, the thing from the Fantastic Four hanging around in London. But, uh, yeah, it's specifically. <laughs> oh, it's just like sightseeing. Uh, yeah, whose artwork is that? Very nice. I haven't made a note. That's from Marvel Two in what? So it's the thing and Master of Kung Fu. <laughs> nice. But yeah, that, that copy of X Men Legacy is written by Mike Carey, who's a British uh, author. So when it landed in London and it was Piccadilly Circus, I thought, come on, you, know, you can do better than this. You don't need to go to these same locations. You don't need to use the same spots to sort of sell the fact that it's London. But then the teleporter flipped again to the Elephant and Castle. And I was like, this is great. It's more like it. Yeah, this is, it's come to South London. And it isn't in a terrible It's just uh, they go to uh, an underground car park. And, uh, not Ministry of Sound or anything. It's not Ministry of Sound. No. But it's just, it, he's not using South London to sort of uh, exploit the idea of the place. It's basically, they go to space because there's space to have a scrap. And then the teleport flips again, but to an abandoned housing estate in Peckham, which would have to be the North Peckham estate. Which again, if you are trying to have a scrap without causing property damage, head, head to that bar. I mean, go to the North Peckham estate. It's a building. It's, it's a building. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, obviously a desert would be preferable, but there's no yeah. deserts in South London. Oh, how far is his teleport range? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. He, well, to be fair, it's his first one. And then more recently, um, in Uncanny X-Men, which is written by Kieran Gillen, who lives in... In Broccoli. In Broccoli, yeah. You're paying he, attention. He's, um, <laughs> he's been rolling your eyes throughout the whole He's uh, set, set an issue recently in Greenwich with uh, Mr. Sinister. And it's Kieran Gillen... A, Basically, using Mr. Sinister to dissect the British class system, which is uh, quite nice. Topical. So, again, mm. using uh, South London setting, but not in a way to sort of go, there's definitely going to be criminality, intolerance, and uh, you know, pedestrian precincts. You know, I've got a couple of little bits to add. Um, yeah, as, 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 <laughs> it's quite difficult finding comics which are specifically set in South London. However, one, I don't know if you came across this, Steve, when you're going through the history of British comics. Oh, I might not put all these back to front now, I'll get that. There was, um, you may be familiar with this guy from history. Do you know Charles Peace? No. Let me just, uh, from my internet. Uh, Charles Peace, even though he's from Sheffield, he was a very famous um, burglar and murderer. He was eventually hanged for murder, but operating around... Um, from 25 Stangate Street in Lambeth. Uh, burgling houses around Camberwell, Lambeth and Crane Court in Greenwich. Um, and yeah, eventually hanged for his crimes. What sort of time was this? Uh, he was born in 1833. 1832, sorry, hanged 1879. Buster comic did the astounding adventures of Charlie Peace. <laughs> which was set in Victorian London to begin with, around South London. Um, and then I think maybe... Maybe the sales were dropping, but he broke into a safe in 1968, uh, tricked by an inventor. It was actually a time machine. Right. And he <laughs> whisked him off to modern London. <laughs> oh, Did he still operate out of South London? When he got um, to, I've uh... not managed to follow it up with anything <laughs> after that, but I just thought that was lovely. It was, I don't know if any <clears throat> relatives of the guy you killed were still alive. <laughs> 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 it must be quite worrying if there's a potential time travel link. It was the adventures of Charlie Peace. The astounding, astounding adventures of Charles Peace. Charlie Peace, yeah. Brilliant. But also in a core magazine, C-O-R, two exclamation marks. I think... Uh, you have got that written down. I can, I can place... Did it absorb something, Steve? Oh, it would have been. It lasted a few years. Core was, uh, was absorbed by Buster in 1974. Oh, so... Oh, Buster was the last man standing on that side, I think. <laughs> but that featured its own um, criminal mastermind called Dr. Rat... <laughs> which is very specifically set in London but I'd never heard of this until a few days ago I'm now quite obsessed with it um, <laughs> I'll 
give you a few pages from it, but um, you can see what he's looking like. He's, <laughs> he's, he's a human, but very rodent-like, with massive ears. He's quite rat-like in his head. Wears a big cape. <laughs> but um, the setup of this... <laughs> the setup of this specifically was he'd rob banks and things, cause mayhem. There was, uh, there was a society called Biff, uh, which was, uh, what was it, the British Institute for uh, Foiling Felonies. <laughs> After a few episodes, they... He's quite Brechtian, Dr. Rat. Uh, they break the fourth wall and directly address the readers of Core and ask if they've got any ideas for how to trap Dr. Rat. Wow. <laughs> and each week, he'd directly insult the reader who had set the trap for him and blow a raspberry at him at the end of the episode. <laughs> this week's uh, trap... Is this uh, the Cheesy Wheezy? Yeah. It's, yep. it's from... Uh, Have you managed to get through that? Richard Bott. Yes. So the readers were essentially right in the comic. They'd send in an idea saying, hey Biff, British Institute for Falling Felonies, why don't you set a trap? I think this is the one with the giant lump of cheese, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dr. Rat follows it. Is that it. issue one? Cheese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get with some Dr. Cheese. Rat follows that, and he's actually going to be foiled, but then loads of other rats come. And, uh, and it's, a bit, it's a bit like the bit in Batman Year One. I think it might be in Batman <laughs> Begins as well, when he foils the police by using Calms a big the army of rats. Yeah, yeah. Why a lot of cheese here. But the relevance to, af after some years of readers sending in suggestions, and always they'd end when, and doc uh, Dr. Rat would insult the, the reader directly, and blow a raspberry at them the market. <laughs> oh, um, he eventually screws himself over by, uh, he's gone back to his sewer, he's got a lot of riches, and he just sees a hole in the sewer. It says, oh, I wonder what's down there. And he eventually falls down. Do you want to read that uh, out? I've landed up in a disguise pit deep under Dulwich. There's no way out. Wow. <laughs> so Dr. Rat... Uh, this was covered in... The Tooting Tittle Tattler. Yeah. <laughs> That's That's a new, we'll cover that in the next local new special. Yes. <laughs> Biff baffled, where is Ratty Rat? And the Bethnal Green Bugle, King of Crime, disappears. But yeah, eventually he's stuck under there and vows that he will. Can you read this out? Because it's quite pixelated, the, um, the text. I but emerge I will, to the sound of the rudest, most rollicking, rodent raspberry, you jammy-faced juveniles have ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's brilliant. I think he's... They shouldn't have had Bane in the last Batman. <laughs> yeah, that's a With a lot of, let's say, London-based comics, even with the sort of magic and occult-based London-based comics, they tend to stick to North of the River. In From Hell, Alan Moore takes us through the character of uh, character Golden Netley on a, a coach journey around places of occult significance in London. And because Alan Moore is a very good writer and will do proper research, it takes us south of the river. Um, we end up in Herne Hill, and he explains the significance of that name relating to um, Hearn the Hunter from uh, mythology. There's also uh, a lovely shot, and this is where, as I say, uh, you know, research pays off. There's a shot of uh, the bridge that uh, goes from Half Moon Lane towards uh, Brookwell Park. And I remember reading at the time, and or the first time I read From Hell, and just trying to, so sort of uh, well captured that I realised you could sort of plot where the, the photograph that Eddie Campbell clearly used as reference, taken by Alan Moore on the day that he travelled around and did the research for this, um, would have been taken outside of Adventures into Comics, which was a, a comic shop in where Hartford I bought a Punisher Punisher Award Journal number one, Jim. Yeah. And my uh, the owner gave my friend uh, Manfing number one for free. Manfinger. <laughs> man thing, man thing. Man thing. I want to do a superhero called man finger. Uh, yeah, it was quite nice. I, I don't know if Adventures Comics was there when Alan Moore took that photograph, but I think it's probably more likely that if he was in the area, he would. Mm. You know, he's in a pop toward, in. Isn't he? He'd migrate towards a comic shop. I assume it was Alan Moore who took all those photographs. For it was, it was Al Alan Moore um, and Steve Moore. Right. Drove around London, basically following the route that get Netley and Gold take, taking photographs and taking notes of Poss locations. But possibly as a result of this, this is one of Alan Moore's most famous things, Swamp Thing. Uh, but there's a scene here that's set at Camden train Swamp station. Finger. Swamp Finger. Swamp <laughs> <laughs> uh, Camden Tube, and this is what a, a London tube looks like. 
that's clearly just a New York yeah, subway. Yeah, it's a New York done, subway it? train. Yeah, that yeah. they just is that who's doing that? Steve Bissett. Uh, Bissett and Tottenham and did the end king. Mm. But yeah, it would have been yeah, Hensley. But um, yeah, that wouldn't have made taken too much effort, would it? No. So yeah. what does a London London tube look like? And say even then, you know. That you didn't have, you, you know, the resources that artists have now in terms of referencing with, you know, Google Street View. There's no excuse for not. You can't you know, see inside the tube trains on that, Steve. Just, no, but just to uh, clarify, you you could quite easily Google uh, interior tube. But at the time, they couldn't do that. But this is only for Secret Service to have such a. Well, no, there was a guy with a Burberry hat in one episode. So one issue, <laughs> could He's come back in so. again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was set in the late nineties. I'm not sure. Yeah, from Hell's Brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. Is my favourite. It's just so dense, man. Yeah. That's it. I think I was chatting to you a few months ago. You have to kind of stop after a while because it, it, there's so much information. Yeah. It is overwhelming, isn't it? Yeah. Afterwards, you realise you're just reading the words and not taking it in. Mm. To kind of have a little break. And even when you get to the appendix at the end, you're like, oh, I'll just whiz through this. And you end up having to go back <laughs> and read that book again. Oh, right. Yeah, well, the good news is um, in February next year, there's going to be the From Hell Companion, which is basically Eddie Campbell's notes on from hell based on the scripts he got from Alan photos Moore. of doorknobs and stuff yeah essentially yeah. they should do a before from hell in the before <laughs> watchman style I reckon didn't oh, you man, do a shelf talker from... about that I did. Yeah. I did yeah uh, and put your own name on it I think no I put Steve's name on it yes <laughs> do you want but to share this story that was, with that was mainly because Steve had done a, very kindly an actual shelf talk because I hadn't read it. I've done a recommendation from hell, haven't I? Yeah, yeah. You, you'd done. An you were actual running the comics. Was this, was this off your own back, or was this when no, you made you back. do stuff regardless no, no, no. of whether you'd read the book? With, with from hell, uh, I'll take any opportunity. It just happens now. I work in a comic shop, so recommending from hell on a daily basis is officially part of my job. Invasion. No, this yeah. is a little bit of a. I don't know if you can edit this in earlier to the 2000 AD bit, but uh, that was the... Uh, yeah, Savage was a strip from 2000 AD. Again, set in the far future. I think 1999, when the Volts... <laughs> the Volts, who are no way... They're not the Russians at all. Uh, the Old Republic come and invade Britain, but their first act is to take Prime Minister Shirley Williams off to the steps of Parliament to shoot her. By 99, we'll definitely have a female Prime yeah. Minister. But uh, I thought like, like this, this representation of South London is a little bit different to the Secret Service. In a South London pub, Vogue tank crews celebrated their victory. Why do you British look so sad? The war is over. We Vogues have won. Let us be dancing, laughing. Are they German? <laughs> the Vogues. The Vogues. At this point, I think Bill Savage, who's an East End truck driver, loves his winkle toes. <laughs> his double barrel shotgun. <laughs> Oh yes, the panel underneath is a root master being used as a battle tank against the Volk <laughs> forces. With a nice little quip from Bill Savage, I think. Right? Is that um, like a skull on crossbones yeah, type thing? Yeah, I think he's customised his root master. <laughs> yeah. He took the time to uh, paint a skull on crossbones <laughs> yes. on a root master, yeah. just so that he's able uh, to get the message, doesn't he? He looks a bit like Harry Grant, doesn't he? <laughs> Laugh at this, Twinkle Toes. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, while his bus is running over some Volks, we get the nice quip. If you don't catch the bus, Volks, there's another one right behind. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Has anyone seen the Fantastic Four, the second the second yes. uh, Rise film? of the Silver Surfer. Yeah. London is there an, yeah, an action scene at the London Eye? Yeah, I haven't seen it. Is it yeah, there is, is a lot. Uh, really good. Uh, it's not really good, because it's in uh, Fantastic Four 2, the Rise of the Silver Surfer, where nothing really good happens. You ready for the reboot? Uh, I'm ready for any reboot that features a cosmic character that isn't portrayed as a cloud. Because they keep trying to get away with this. They keep taking these. They keep uh, trying to get away with it. Every single time. My, every um, time. Obviously, uh, my friend Stephen, his brother, um, is the head of uh, Gaseous Effects at uh, Double Negative. That's right. He's, Something like that. He's one, uh, I don't mean he's head of Gaseous Effects, but he basically does all the cloud he means, stuff. He means Gaseous. Oh, yeah. Is it not Gaseous? Gaseous. Yeah. Gaseous. Gaseous? Yeah. Gaseous. It's from the word gas. Yeah. <laughs> this is where we get you the name. Yeah. <laughs> Have you printed off? How do you not know that? I'll take it you've only read his job title. I don't think that's his job title. <laughs> it's just like head of effects or whatever. He, he's, won a, he's a clown expert. He's, he's won an Oscar, isn't he? Yeah, he's won like an industry Oscar. For, mo- for, for gaseous effects? Or was he just nominated? Gaseous. His wife's got an Oscar. Gaseous. Oh, Gaseous. Right. He's Gaseous. been nominated <laughs> and uh, his wife's got an Oscar, yeah. Oh. She does li- liquidious. Liquidious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, so he did um, the uh, Captain America, not Captain America, 
It's, no, no. What was the terrible one? Me, the three of us went to see Green Peckham. Lantern. Green Lantern. Man, that's where the bad guy Parallax. is a cloud. Parallax, yeah. But I mean, I thought he did a good job, man. All of this. Yeah, this thing, Parallax. Yeah, it was appalling, wasn't it? But I thought he did a good job, man. Well, it looked like a cloud. But it shouldn't be a cloud. This is the thing. I don't want a cosmic threat that's a cloud. I think that's uh, a cop-out. That's a very British thing, isn't it? You know, rain and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, but these are uh, American productions of American comics, aren't they? That's American clouds. (laughs) So who plays the Silver Surfer? Um, It's all CGI. I don't think there's any... Well, there's not an actor. There was probably a dancer in some... uh... Really? Yeah. It's Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think... I think no. I think he might have done the motion capture. Oh, really? I think so. He definitely does the voice. Really? Definitely. Why would he do the motion capture? He's, uh, he's fat. I was going to say you'd probably just get a dancer or something with. Uh... I'm not saying that's definitely. It's just. I thought uh, Samuel L. Jackson was a good Silver Surfer in Incredibles. Wasn't he? <laughs> he well, he's more. Um... <laughs> On getting lost. Oh yes, sorry. Yeah, he I've basically got, does the yeah, Silver yeah. Surfer. No, he's, uh, he well, he's Ice Iceman. Yeah, Frozone. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. That's great, man. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. That's better than any. Uh, that's the best superhero film ever made. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> brilliant. Really? Yeah. Do you not yeah, think? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. No. What's that? Definitely not. Incredibles um, is pretty great. That awful Fantastic Four film. It's better than it's the Incredibles. It's a better superhero oh, film. Nah. Come on. The Incredibles is a superhero film. Uh, Incredibles no, I, is incredible, man. I, I think the Batman films are probably better. Batman Begins, Which I thought ones? was great. The new ones the or new the Tim Burton? Oh, good. I thought it was very good. Not the one with Bane. I think, think uh, I'd rather watch there, yeah? uh, The Incredibles than any of the Batman Yeah, yeah, me too. And Spider-Man 2, I think, is very good. But I'd, I'd, I'd rather have the, the Incredibles. Incredibles, it's just, it's got everything you want. It's got so tight, man. It's no, Watchmen is not. Uh, Don't get me started. Right, thanks for listening. Southlandhardcore.com for various stills. We can scan in the stuff that Jim. Uh, yeah. Doctor Rat. Doctor Rat. Yeah, exactly. How will we uh, catch Doctor Rat next week? <laughs> well, if one of the listeners to the podcast wants to send in a suggestion, he can yeah. tweet us at, at yeah. midnight. He might video. still be under village. <laughs> yeah, after forty years. Uh, yeah, so Jim's podcast is uh, Midnight Video, which you can hear on iTunes. It's mostly about films that most people would consider not very good. But Jim, <laughs> really? and, Jim and his friend Phil. Potentially they, interesting uh, films. Potentially interesting films. It's, uh, you follow, it, actually, when you were having a go the other day about Dune, you said it wasn't the first time you'd put yourself through pain from Midnight Video. No, it's what not, is it? What were the other ones? All you've, the other films you've covered. <laughs> have you watched every other film we've covered? No, but I've never enjoyed one, really. <laughs> but I have watched. Uh, no, Sorcerer. Ninth Configuration is good. Ninth Configuration is great. Um, Silent Partner? Yeah, that was good, actually. Yeah, 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 that was good. What was the terrible ones, man? Well, Black <laughs> Gestapo had been the most obvious bad one. There was some entertaining stuff in there, though, surely. Yeah, I enjoy the Oops. podcast always, Jim. <laughs> I've listened to, uh, like, 40-odd episodes. Midnight-video.com, not midnightvideo.com. We've no. all made that mistake before, Jim. Yes, so, and, sorry. Uh, it was, that's uh, in our internet yeah. histories forever now. <laughs> Is it pornography? What do you think, Steve? Midnight video. <laughs> Midnight video. I thought it sounded, you know, suggestive of... Um Exciting films. Well, there is. It's a a red triangle uh, website. Uh, (laughs) Dave Hatton over here, uh, at that Dave guy on Twitter. Yeah, mostly talking about wrestling, though. Pretty much. Also has uh, that wrestling blog. Yeah. Which one? (laughs) Do you want to give out any URLs, Dave? Uh, I I think. Just just go to my Twitter account. I'll I'll be plugging it on there, but uh, I can't remember the URL. Our, our Twitter is uh, at SLHC Podcast. Mm-hmm.